0: Hey, Thank you for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. My name is Jamar, and I'm the lead pastor. I get the privilege of shepherding here, and I'm so glad that you are joining us for this sermon. You're about to receive some text-driven preaching, and our prayer is that God will speak to you as you listen to this message. So uh, grab something that you can write with in your Bible and uh, enjoy. I want to invite you to open your Bibles uh, to the book of Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 is where we will spend our time together today as we uh, continue our journey through this uh, wonderful book. And We have found ourselves uh, in chapter 6, uh, one of the most uh, pivotal and uh, critical chapters in the whole uh, book. Uh, if you have not had the opportunity to join us in the entirety of this particular series that we are working through. Uh, We've had a great time. We've seen the, the Lord create the world. Uh, if you're here for that particular message, we understood that uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, over a period of six days, we believe that uh, He created. And um, the first three days, He established the areas, the heavens and the sky and the earth, and then The next three, he filled those areas. And we've had an opportunity to see God's faithfulness. We saw he uh, created man and woman, male and female in his image. And it's been incredible to understand the dynamics of that, that uh, everybody that you know uh, already has value, worth, no matter what the world has said or what they think, um, because they're made in the image of God. And uh, we understand that there is a problem, though, in humanity, Genesis chapter 3. We run into this realization that uh, Adam and Eve made the decision to disobey God, and ultimately that plunged the entire human race into sin. And uh, we have never lived uh, one day apart from the effect of sin. And uh, we saw the effect that it had on them, and we saw the effect that it had on their children, and uh, we've seen the effect that it had on their children's children, and uh, ultimately God works and moves through Seth. And uh, last week we looked at the lineage, uh, the genealogy of Seth, the godly line, and we had an opportunity to be able to see how the Lord was going to work. Uh, you see, in Genesis three, we have bad news, but we also have good news about the Redeemer, a uh, Savior that would come, and uh, from the rest. Uh, From that moment, the rest of the Bible is highlighting something about that Savior, that one who would come. So today we find ourselves not in a genealogy. We find ourselves uh, in what I'm going to call the title of the message is the Great Reset. The Great Reset. Where we're going to see God uh, in so many ways uh, do it over again. And as you think about our world, our culture, we're going to see the corruption of man. We're going to see the difficulties that man uh, is facing. And uh, we're going to see how God is going to handle that. If you think about the world we live in, you know, there are many that want to reset, reset how we look at financial institutions, how we look at relationships, how we live, where we live, what we own, what we don't own. There's all these things that are happening around us. But ultimately, I believe that God is the one who is going to ultimately set things the way in which they're supposed to be. And so today we have an opportunity to look at history, to look back. And uh, I believe understand how he has worked in the past to orient us uh, in the present to encourage us for what's to come in the future. If you remember from Seth's line, we had uh, great hope. Men called on God and God listened and we had one who walked with God named Enoch, and we had one who was going to bring rest. His name's Noah. And so when we look at this, we see God at work. But as we think about this great reset, I want to submit to you four specific things. The first, we're going to see the witness of the Lord, that God is attentive to the uh business that's happening in human history. Uh, there are some that carry a worldview that God just created the world and he forgot all about it. He doesn't really interact with it. Uh, you cannot hold to that view and, and take the Bible seriously. Uh, we're going to see that God is is intimately acquainted with what's happening. Uh, and we're going to see that he has a assessment of things. Secondly, we're going to see that we have to be willing to walk with the Lord. Uh, Noah is going to be the primary character that we're going to see from a human standpoint. We have to be willing to walk with the Lord. The third thing we're going to see, we have to be willing to work for the Lord. And then lastly, we have to be willing to wait on the Lord. Now, there'll be individuals that will probably scoff at this particular section because we're going to be talking about Noah and we're going to be talking about a big boat and and the animals coming and God doing all these miraculous things. But can I tell you, Jesus took this very seriously. He took Noah very seriously. He believed uh, that Noah was real, a historical figure, and the things that um, Noah was tasked to do were real. And as a matter of fact, helping us to understand how things would end up in the world, Jesus uses Noah... As an example. So I just want to start off there in Matthew, chapter 24, verses 37 through 44. You can take some notes down, but I just want you all to hear from the Lord before we jump down into this particular passage. Says this. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of who? Noah. So everybody see that. So just understand that there is another judgment to come. There's another work of God to come. And so Jesus, I believe, takes this moment and we're going to look at it in great detail. I think this will help us to think about the times in which we live. But it says this for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Well, what what, what was that like? For as in those days before the what? Flood. They were eating and drinking. Everybody was kicking and having a good time. Super Bowl parties and such having a great time. finger food. Notice this, marrying and uh, giving in marriage. We got anybody engaged to be married? Is anybody in here? gay? let me see them hands. I see the hand proud up in here. Proud, several. Yeah, yeah. Anybody just got married? Anybody just, okay, I see that hand over there. Proud over there, yeah. So notice this. This is very common things, right? Marrying, being given in marriage. Now notice this. You see that word right there? Until meaning everything was rolling like everything was rolling until the day that Noah entered the ark. See what it says. And they did not understand until the flood came and what took them all away. So will the coming of the son of man be. So will the coming of the son of man be. There we go. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this. That if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready. For the son of man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. So I'm just going to set the stage. I know it's a little heavy. You know, we're trying to get a little light, but can I take it? We're trying to get it today. And I think this particular section in Genesis is one of the most important to help orient us in the times in which we live. You, You see, we don't like to think about the fact That history is going to come to a appointed end. God is in control, always has been and always will be. And because he loves us, he gives us information in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to help orient us about the times. We're going to see a particular moment in a particular individual's life and family in which God prepared them. There are many things that we should apply to our lives today from this text that we're going to look at today. But I wanted to set the tone to tell you that just like there was a judgment before and it was a flood, there will be a judgment in the future. It won't be a flood. It's going to be with fire. But but understand the same types of framework, the things that were happening then that people are going to be moving. It's going to be regular day marriage going on. People working all of a sudden. Bang. There it is. So we must be ready. My prayer is that after this particular message, we will be ready. We will be ready. Let me just say this about the text. Uh, Noah, this, uh, the individual we're going to be dealing with in great detail here, uh, he is mentioned in nine different books of the Bible 50 times. So as a whole, 50 times, nine different books. Can I just tell you, that's, that's a pretty significant amount of, of mentions. Uh, we're going to see the condition Of the world as the population has grown, we're gonna see the perversion, we're gonna see the evil, we're gonna see the violence, and we're gonna see God deal with it. So I hope you've had an opportunity to find Genesis chapter 6, our first movement, verses 1 through 8. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Our first movement, we're going to see the witness of the Lord, the witness of the Lord. The text tells us some very important information about what has happened. If you remember, we started off with the first family, Adam and Eve, and then we were introduced to the reality they had a son named Cain. You remember they had a son named Cain, a son named Abel. Cain killed Abel. And then from that lineage, we see they have another son, uh, Seth. And then uh, they continue to populate. And the text tells us that Adam and Eve, they had uh, more uh, sons and daughters. Now, the Bible highlights for us in chapter 6, verse 1, that uh, there was a great multiplication that was happening on the face of the land. Now, we've already seen that the people are living very long lives, you know, 800, 900, 700 years, uh, because of the effect of sin had not taken root. Now, they would die ultimately, but because sin is tied to death, for the wages of sin is death, the effect of sin had not began to multiply. We also understand the type of climate and all the such would have been conducive for long life. And so now you have all these people being born. Now, one historian looks at this and says that uh, based off of the hundreds of years that they were living, that there would have been billions of individuals on the earth at this time. As a matter of fact, uh, we'll look at this more next week. But the, the thought is that it took from the moment they got off the ark to 1867 to get the first billion people. Then another billion came between 1867 and 1935. And today, I checked it this morning, early this morning, there was 7.9 billion people. Incredible. So how the movement begins to happen, how almost about every 15 years or so, it's almost doubling. It's crazy how it's moving. Now, as we think about this, the pervasiveness of the population and, and also now the effect of sin is now, it is now multiplying in ways that we didn't, we didn't recognize and see early on. And the text tells us some important information about the mindset of the people at the time. Let's just look at it quickly. First and foremost, we see that there's some sort of relationship that's going on with the sons of God and the, and the daughters of men. And we're going to you're gonna have to make a decision. I'm going to submit some things to you. You have to make a decision. I've made my decision. You have to make a decision. But we see that God is grieved and he says, my spirit shall not, verse three, shall not strive with man forever. for He's flesh. He's sinful. The flesh side of us is the sinful side of us. The flesh is never redeemed. OK, you you might be saved, but your flesh can still sin. Even though you've been saved for 20, 30, 40 years, it can sin just like it been sinning from the beginning. So as we see this, we, we see a, an understanding. We are also brought to realization that there are these Nephilim. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment that we have to deal with the men of renown. But then it says this, verse 5, that wickedness was great. And he tells us outwardly we have wickedness. And inwardly it says every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I don't know about you, but that is a sad state of affairs. That's a very difficult situation for the world to be in. But that's nonetheless where we find ourselves. But then it says Noah found favor with God. Now, as we unpack this, let us begin to break this out. The reason why I believe we are dealing with this issue of the sons of God and the daughters of men on the initial pieces, you have to remember whenever God made the declaration in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, that there was going to be a war between the serpent and the seed of the woman, the serpent, I believe, began to try to unravel or to undo the ability for God to make that happen. So in order to unravel or to undo the ability for the redeemer to come through a woman, he is now trying to make issues within the family relationship or within the dynamics of who is born or or what the the nature of that they have. There are many scholars that believe that this construction, sons of God, daughters of men, happens to be the line of Seth uh, intermarrying with the line of Cain. There are many that believe that many that hold to that. They said this is, you know, about human beings and there are great evidences you can pull and you can make the decision. You can just look that up, decide where you might fall. There are others that think that these are uh, angels, sons of God, and they uh, make the case that when you see this phrase, sons of God, used elsewhere. uh, For example, in uh, Job chapter one, verse six, we'll look at it here together. A good old job. Everybody need a job. You can learn a whole lot from it here. Job chapter one verse six says this: Now there was a day when the what sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and who Satan also came among them. Uh oh, trouble, <laughs> right? So they see this construction and realize this is angelic beings that are presenting before God, and uh, and so they make they make that case that they are that that this construction is a uh, as is angels, but they also would use uh, a passage like Jude, Jude chapter one, only one chapter, but Jude one, uh, verses six and seven. Let's look at that together as well, to try to determine who these individuals are. It says this, and who? Angels. Everybody see that? Who did not keep their own dominion, right? Uh, domain that they didn't keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bond under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Verse 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since, since they, in the same way uh, as these, indulge in gross immorality. Now, this idea of as these, you got to make a decision. Who are the as these? Are the as these the angels that lost their place? Who are the as these? Are these the individuals who were in Sodom and Gomorrah? Is there some sort of? Crazy, you know, demonic type situation going on here. You got to make the decision. We're going to look at it here in a minute. But it says this in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. Notice this that he he used them as an example, exhibit as an example. And undergoing the punishment of eternal, eternal fire. So as we look to this. We have to make some decisions. Is this the guideline line of Seth intermingling with Cain and is creating a problem to be able to get the Messiah down and through that line? Or is this some kind of way uh, angels that uh, can can have a body that can get married? Because if you notice, they can not necessarily get married, but they can have relations with with women, uh, because that's what the text says. Because that's how you get a baby, right? Verse 4, Nephilim, they were on earth. And afterwards, they were also the sons of God. They came into the daughters of men and they bore them children to them. So we got to make some decisions here. The position that I hold is these are actual men who are being influenced by demonic activity. So, so, so understand there is, there is a, a influence that's happening demonically. That word Nephilim is the Hebrew word there. Uh, Some translations translate it giants. So meaning that there is a connection where 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 men have opened themselves up to the influence of Satan, the activity, the work of Satan. And so from these connections, these unions are now coming. These 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 nephilim. Right. So as you as you look at this, we we understand it all throughout the the word. There is Old, Old Testament and New Testament demonic influence. Right. Whether it's uh, one legion, everybody remember that? He was in control of that individual, opened himself up. And so much so controlled the man's life, how he treated people, beat beat people. You also see uh, even children. Don't forget the, the man whose son would, would throw himself in the fire, try to kill himself. So you see these the opening up. I believe that there's a, a, a moment here. But ultimately, though. There is a corruption, I believe, that is happening in mankind that is ultimately the cause of demonic influence when it comes to the human race. Now, I know y'all all all look at me like, what did you eat for dinner last night? There's something important. The reason why I think we need to hold to this is because it's the phrase. Look with me in verse four. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. What days is he talking about? Pre-flood. And also afterward. Everybody see that? So, so here's the thing. The Nephilim were not only on the earth pre-flood, meaning the flood did not destroy, did not destroy what, whatever creates Nephilim did not get destroyed in the flood. All right? So, so, so that's why I struggle with it, just saying it's just got to be human beings, and it's got to be those things. Because the flood, it killed all the people except for Noah and his family. So, some kind of way, the influence has to move beyond the flood. So, we see this dynamic even in the Old Testament. Other places, these men are renowned as giants. Um, anybody grow up hearing the story about uh, David and Goliath? Anybody ever? What was God? What was Goliath? He's a giant. He's an He was a giant. You got to figure out how in the world, where did he come from? Now, I want to just highlight something real quick, uh, because I believe that in the end times, you will see demonic activity increase. It's going to continue to increase. All right. So just real quick, though. I want to just add a little aside because we see it here. We also going to see it in other places in New Testament. Can I give you an example? When David was going out to fight Goliath, How many stones did he take? Five. Can I submit to you why I believe he took five stones? Because there were four more giants. It wasn't because David thought he was going to miss. Brother was not going to miss. He had already told you. I whooped a bell and a lion with my bare hands. I'm not going to miss. So do I have any evidence? Oh, yes. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 22. Let's look at it here. So you can get the whole context, but I just want y'all to catch this now. These, how many? Four were born to the who? Giant in in Gath. And they fell by the hand of who? David and by the hand of his servants. Y'all see that right there? So if I'm going to do the math right, we got these four and then we got Goliath one plus four. Give me how many? Five. So I'm just going to tell you, I believe our brother grabbed five smooth stones. was ready to whoop every one up. Everybody got to go. Right. It just so happened that on that day, Goliath, the one that showed up and he was the one that got dealt with. So as we look at this, we see this, the understanding that this is something that was pre-flood, but it was also post-flood. So it's not it's not just something that happened just in the days of Noah, but it also moves throughout history. And we see that these men of renowned. They made a decision. And they perverted, they perverted the, 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 the line, the race. As we continue to move through the book, we will see this continual attempts to pervert so that thus the one who is going to destroy cannot come through. The seed of the woman won't be able to make it through. Now, I want to just highlight something here for us because I believe it's important for us not just thinking about a past work of the enemy. We need to think about act, actively. And I want you to just jot down 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. First Timothy 4, 1. Then we'll jump back to the text. First Timothy uh, chapter four, verse one says this, but the spirit, but the but the who spirit explicitly says that in in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to say with me, deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Everybody see this. Now, understand the way this works. A host is occupied, utilized, deceitful spirits. I don't know about you. In our day, we probably call it fake news. That's a nice way of saying it. OK, but deceitful, deceitful doctrines of demons, wickedness, evil. And it says in the latter times this will you got to be very mindful that as we move to the moment in which Christ is, is going to return, this is going to continue to grow. And we have to be ready. So it's not just about a pre-flood narrative dealing with evil. We also have to be ready in our day. Now, the text tells us some important information. In verse 3. Says the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive. This idea of my spirit. He's saying, I'm not going to shield man. You see, God was still shielding, still working, still helping. He says, listen, I'm getting ready to raise up the covering, the protection. I'm getting ready to remove what's there and I'm getting ready to judge. He says, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he's flayed sinful. Then he gives a timestamp. Nevertheless, his day shall be one hundred and twenty years. There are some that look at that thing that has to do with how long man will live. I'm, we can make the case for that. But I believe ultimately what God is doing is as he's putting a, a, a time stamp to say, listen, either repentance happens in these next one twenty or it doesn't happen at all. And we're going to see that in his grace, God sets judgment in his grace. Long suffering. He gave one hundred and twenty years for the people to turn. I don't know about you, but 120 years is a long time. You can get a lot of repenting done in 120 years. But the problem is, is the people were not interested in repenting. That is not what they were going to do. And so we see that because they were not, because they were living outwardly, they had wickedness inwardly. All their thoughts were, were evil continually. God is now going to judge. But can I tell you? Out of all this negative going on, verses 1 through 7, did everybody catch verse 8? Incredible passage. Says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Everybody see that right there? Now, this is incredible because when you think about Noah, this idea of favor is also grace. And I try to tell my kids all the time. They're like, that's not fair. That's not fair. we ain't looking for fairness. We're looking for favor. Because let me tell you, favor is not fair. So as we look at this. It says Noah, he he received grace. Grace is what he got ultimately favor, unmerited, undeserved favor. Now, the New Testament highlights something very important about Noah, where this came from. It, It wasn't because he lived the way he lived. That's why he got God's favor. It was the faith that he had already exhibited is why he had it. Hebrews eleven seven. Look with me in Hebrews eleven seven. Because sometimes we can think, oh, it's the way I'm living. That's why God's doing what he's doing. No, no, God's doing what he's doing because of who he is. And we have to be willing to follow him by faith. Hebrews eleven seven says this. By what? Faith. Noah. Being warned by God about things not yet seen. In reverence. Notice this. What did he do? prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Now, this is what's so crazy. When we read this here in a minute, that ark was big enough that more than just his household could get on that. Okay. But by faith, it tells us here, he found favor because God realized, look, I can tell this man what's coming and he's going to actually believe me. Now, I know some of you, maybe you might be new. You might not be saved. And y'all thinking this preacher here really talking about, a big old boat and water covering all the earth. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And we believe that just like we believe, guess what? This whole thing gonna get burned up one day. So as we look at this, the first piece is the Lord's witness. He witnessed and he saw the wickedness and the evil in the day, but he also was willing to look and see the faithfulness of one individual. It is incredible. And this is a theme you're going to see all throughout that God is willing to help it. Even just one individual, one family there. Now, might it be that we are full of families that are faithful, that are willing to follow God? Now, in this next movement, we're going to see how Noah reacts and relates to God. This is the more practical section. Verses 9 through 13, let's let's see how he is going to relate to God, starting in verse 9. Says this. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. All right. The second movement we see is walking with God. Now, Noah is described here in verse nine. After we get an opportunity to hear, we're going to hear about his generations. This is the third one. If, if you keep in tallies, we should see 11 of them. This is the third one. It says, this Noah was a righteous man. Everybody see that? So can I just tell you, as we think about the corrupt times in which we live, the first step I believe we have to understand is, is we have to live as righteous people. The, the idea of righteousness here is it has to do with his standing before God. So his standing before God, he was he was he was right with God. But ultimately, he was also doing the things that pleased God. His actions showed that he was right with God. When you're in a relationship with somebody, that determines how you live. When you enter into a relationship, it it changes things. And I believe this was true. For Noah, he had a relationship with God. He came from a godly heritage, godly lineage. And so ultimately, he kept that same movement. And so whenever you're in a relationship, the relationship begins to change. We we can all tell when you had not been in a relationship and when you get in a relationship. You know why? Because you change. (laughs) Music you never listen to, you listen to. Clothes we ain't never seen you wear, you wear it. You ain't never been eating that. Anyway, so. So as we look at this, the relationship was the the key. Now, this first piece, this righteousness talks about his connection with God. The next piece, blameless. Everybody see that word blameless in his time has to do with his relationship with other human beings. So in a corrupt world, Noah had a connection with God but also his relationship with human beings. He had integrity. He was blameless. It doesn't mean that he was sinless. It means that he was faultless though. You weren't going to find fault with him. That that whenever mud got to slinging back in the day when Noah was living, none of it, even if it hit him, it wouldn't stick to him. It wasn't true. So as you look at this, we, we want to carry ourselves righteously connection with God, living the way he calls us. And we want to live blamelessly before people. Now, also, Noah was a preacher. I don't know if y'all knew this. Not only was he a, 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 a good builder, we're going to see that here in a minute, but Noah was a preacher. Look at me in 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 5. We're going to learn a whole lot about Noah today. 2 Peter 2, 5 says this. And did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah. A what? Preacher. My God, come on, a preacher of righteousness, so not only did he live out righteous, a, a righteous lifestyle, but guess what he also did? He preached righteousness, and so he' a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he when he brought a flood upon the what world of the ungodly so just understand as we as we talk about walking with God, I just want to encourage you y'all here for a minute is going to require us in ungodly times to tell the truth, to be a preacher of righteousness. And people might not like that. They might think you're crazy. They might think you're foolish, but it it requires us to tell it. Now, I believe that this legacy came, if you go way, way back to his great granddaddy, Enoch, had granddaddy, Methuselah, uh, had daddy, Lamech, then had Noah. And so this lineage, a godly lineage. So men, let me just talk to you for a minute. And sisters, let me just talk to you briefly because I I need to make some application here. A lot of us are worried about our history, where we come from. I'm not saying that that's not important. But what's more important is our legacy, what we will leave. You, You see, in the text here, we see that the legacy of Noah was a man who was righteous and blameless when in his time y'all see that in his time. So understand what, what we are going to see is he's going to, he's going he's going to lay down a, a life in which he has these three boys. They all going to get married and he is now establishing, I believe a godly legacy where he has agreed with God. He is surrendered to God and ultimately he is serving God. So can I ask you a quick question? What legacy are you leaving for the generation that will follow you? I don't know how long we have. We could be here another 500 years. Lord, please help us. Okay. But here's what I know. You and I are only going to get a small slice of that 500 year pie. So what are we going to be leaving what are you going to leave? What, what legacy? I love with, with Noah, we see his lifestyle was one that was characterized. He was a righteous man and he was blameless in his time. And the thing I love about God is this is true. God going to always tell you the truth. He don't hide his people's faults as David. David's business all out in the streets. Good, bad and ugly. We're going to keep on reading Noah's business all out in the streets. Good, bad and ugly. But ultimately. He left a legacy. A godly one. So not only is this section about building a boat, but it's about building character. It's about building a family. We see even in the midst of corrupt times. Did you see it in verse 11? If you didn't catch it, that it was a corrupt time. uh, The Lord has said it multiple times. Did you see it in verse 11? Now the earth was what? Corrupt in the sight of God. Filled with violence. God looked on the earth and behold, it was what? Corrupt. For all flesh had what? Corrupted their way. So if he's trying to let you know, listen, the decay is real and it's not changing. We live in a decaying time, even right now. Can I ask you a question? Is our world corrupt? Oh, yeah. It's corrupt. And it's showing that corruption and it's showing that corruption. It's it's stinky corrupt. If you're taking those jot down, 2 Timothy chapter three, let's look at verses one through five. This is an idea of corruption, I believe, that we see in our day. And y'all let me know if this, is, if this is accurate. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5 says this. But realize this, that in the what days? Last days. Now, I don't know if anybody told you. We are in the last days. Now, I don't know about going out here saying, said, Jesus is coming tonight. That ain't what I said. <laughs> but what I am saying is, is we are in the last days. It says this, difficult times will come. Why so? For men will be lovers of self. Anybody feel that? I'm going to go a little slow through this list, so y'all just hang with me, okay? Lovers of money. How about that one? It's not a sin for an individual to have money. It is a sin for money to have the individual. Problem in our day is we use people and love things instead of the other way around loving people and using things, you know. What about boastful? Arrogant? Revilers, you know, we, we like to stir up and fight and go and go crazy, right? Disobedient to parents. Anybody in here? What my cheer? We need a children to come from that side over here. So we can have that conversation right now. Disobedient to parents. Isn't it crazy that this makes the list that in the top 10 honor parents is in that list? Right here in this one, disobedient to parents is in the list. Ungrateful. Anybody feel that one? Unholy. Next. Unloving. Irreconcilable, not meaning you try to go be sorry, you try to connect and you can't even get together. They can't even connect. Malicious gossips. That sound familiar? We got magazines and shows that that's all it is. Like that's all they do. And most of time, you know, what we do. We just eating it all. up. Without self-control. Brutal. Haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Let that settle in for a minute. All right. Next. Now, y'all ready for this? Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Everybody see that right there. I Meaning, look, they, we we go to church. We got a Bible. We can tell you the stories. But there is no connection. There is no power. There is no change. Life, we just come in here and we sit down and we soak and we roll up out of here. No change. So as we think about this, that, that's the day. Notice it says, this, avoid such men as these. Now, when we think about this, that's our day. Noah, Noah walked with the Lord in the midst of corruption and difficulty and hardship. Noah did it. And I believe he is an example for us. We're going to talk about practically how in the world he did it. Now, y'all ready? I know I did beat you all up hard. So let's just pull up a minute. We got to work for the Lord. Let me just read to you sections 14 through 22. Incredible. Says, uh, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the the ark with rooms and uh, shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits you shall make a window for the ark and uh, finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower second and third decks. Behold, I even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. And of every living thing of the flesh, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you they shall be male and female of the birds after their kind and of the animals after their kind of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food, which is edible and gather it to yourself. And it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. Now, let's just hit this practically for a minute. We, we got to work for the Lord. in these times, as we think about the judgment, as God's going to reset this whole thing, we have to trust his assessment, his witness. We have to be willing to walk with him and trust him. But we also have to be willing to work for the Lord. Now, this is incredible. This section, verses 14 through 22, because the Lord lets Noah in on his plan, his plan for the future. And when I say work, I'm going to just lay out three things that we see from the text specifically. We see that Noah built the ark. We see that Noah had to be willing to trust the promise. And we see he had to be willing to collect animals and food. Everybody see that right there? So he had a role to play. Now, the text is just up in verse 14. It says this, make yourself an ark. Of gopher wood. And everybody look at that and they say gopher wood. I need to give me a little bit of that in my house. All right. We don't know exactly what the gopher wood was. Some say it was, was pine. Some say it's cypress. Uh, this, is, this word is the actual word in Hebrew. Gopher. It's a type of wood. It's, it, it's pulled up. We don't know if it got all destroyed uh, with the flood or, you know, what it, what it is. But ultimately we know that uh, he was told to build the ark. And it was supposed to have uh, rooms or literally nets in it. All right, and then here's the key piece. Y'all read in verse 14. Verse 14, gonna preach. It says this: cover it inside and out with pitch. Everybody see that word pitch right there? That word pitch is used multiple times in the Bible. This is the only place that is used for the word pitch. Everywhere else, it means atonement. So what's happening here is in this boat, what he tells Noah, he says, "Listen, you make sure you cover the boat inside and out." With this pitch, make sure you cover it. See, the covering is what's going to bring life. It's going to make it where the water doesn't seep in. Can I say it another way? God is using the water to bring judgment. So the pitch is what keeps the judgment from seeping into the boat. Everybody with me so far? So when you think about The atonement, you think about what God does. I'm just setting it up on the back end of what happens here is that the atonement, what Christ does is that covering, we get covered by his blood. You know what that does? It keeps the judgment from being able to come in. Everybody with me so far? Okay. So just hang on. I ain't preaching Jesus just yet, but it's show coming. So as we look at this, we we see he tells him, he gives him specific instructions. Now, what I love about this is, is he gives him detailed instructions. He tells them, listen, you need to make it so long. You need to make it so wide. You need to make it so high. I'm just going to give you some numbers here. If we're looking at a cubit, a cubit was thought to be 18 inches, but more approximate from the elbow to the end of the middle finger. All right. So that, that's the way you want to know. I got that. Lay that thing down. Bop, yeah, that cubit right there look good. Go to mark that right there. Yeah. So, so the way we see this is if you take these measurements, roughly 18 inches, we got a boat that's 450 feet long. 75 feet wide and 45 feet tall. I don't know about y'all. That's a big boat. If you're looking at a football field, y'all be watching a game tonight. Little green space, 100 yards. How long it take to get a field goal? I mean, to get a touchdown, 100 yards. If you add another 50 to that, so it's a 100 plus another 50. That's how long that bad boy is. That's A big boat. Now, what's amazing is that still to this day, when individuals make boats, they still use this ratio that the length is six times the width and ten times the height. They still keep those ratios even when they make boats to this day. Incredible. Almost like God knows what he's talking about. So as we look at this, he tells us that it's supposed to have three decks. How many doors? One door. Everybody see that right there? One door. Oh, we're going to preach here in a minute. One door. Also windows. Right? So can I just tell you, all let me just show you all. You know, I got him a time machine. We went on way back and I got a picture. Y'all ready? No, I'm just kidding, but I do have a picture. I just want to see, I'm trying to see kind of a a thought, a way. You see the decks, you see the way it looks. Notice there's no engine, there's no rudders, there's nothing like that because he wasn't driving nowhere, okay? And so you see this. Now, think mass, mass of what it could carry based off of these dimensions. Uh, Think we in Jonesboro here, hear these trains waking us up all the time. Uh, box cars. Well, I got a picture of a box car. So ultimately, if you break it down, the math comes around somewhere you get 522 box cars. Can you imagine being stopped at the track while 522 of these suckers roll past you? <laughs> so, what I'm saying to you here is that I think it's important. I just want to bring in some thoughts, let y'all kind of think through a few things. But The idea here is that it'll be able to carry these livestock, 125,000 regular sized animals. Because most people say, how are you going to get all the animals on that? Well, you got plenty of room here. And also remember, the elephant don't got to be full grown. Now. I want you to notice something about the construction of what God tells him, though. Did you notice? Did you notice that God told him? what to do before he told him why. Did anybody notice that? I, y'all didn't see it. Y'all drove right past it, didn't you? Look look here. Verses 14, 15, and 16, he's telling him what to do. Verse 17, he tells him why. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy it. Now, can I just tell you, I think this is very important. We're going to work for the Lord. We have to be willing to do what he tells us to do, even if we don't understand why. A lot of times, you know, the question we asking all the time, why? I'm not saying that that's not a good question. I'm just saying to you that I think what we have here in this text as we seek to work for the Lord is we just do what he says. Even we don't always understand why, why it's going to work out. And I believe as you do what he tells you to do, then you get more, more vision of what he's planning to do. But we see this, we see the size of it, we see the, 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 the way in which it works. And can I just tell you, it's plenty of room, plenty of room. If you look at all the species we got, I got up there this, this, this morning because I said I wanted to get it fresh, fresh, fresh. Some would say there's about 6,500 mammals now. And they made room for another like 6,500 to be extinct, right? So if you multiply them by two and then you say, oh, we're going to get seven of these, you still got plenty of room if we can get 125,000 on this particular barge. Incredible. All the room with the food, with the people, still plenty of room. Now, as we think about the movement, though, that he told him what before why he does tell him why. And when he tells him why. I want you to notice this after he tells him why about the, the, the fact that it's going to perish. Did you see verse 18? This is the next piece. As we work for the Lord, not only do we do what he do we do what he says, but we also have to trust him at his promise. Verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you. Everybody see that? So what's happening here now is God is promising. He is promising some important things here to know. He's saying, listen, I'm going to establish my covenant with you, with your sons, with your wife, with, 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 with your son's wives. We, we're going to start this thing with you. Now, when it comes to covenants, when you walk with the Lord, he lets you in on some things. If you're taking those, just jot down Psalm 25, verse 14. This is an incredible passage right here. Psalm 25, 14. Notice this. What does it say? The what? Secret of the Lord. No longer is it a secret. The secret of the Lord is for those who what? Fear him. This is very important. When you think about future things and how things are going to happen, listen to me now. The secret of the Lord are for those who fear him. Another way of saying it, those who take him seriously. Those who take his word seriously. Notice this. And he will make them know his what? Covenant. Covenant. Covenant, promise, connection. When you see this idea of covenant, this construction is incredible here. It means an agreement has happened. Most of the time it happened between God and man. So what that means is there's some conditional things and some unconditional things. And so he is making a covenant with Noah. There are going to be some conditional things. There are going to be some unconditional things. But ultimately, as you as you walk with the Lord, he reveals to you the secret things. That's why when you open up this here Bible, he will tell you, if you have not gotten a look at the back end of this bad boy. Just please do that because he did not told you a whole lot about what is coming. You remember his disciples asked when are you going to be coming, Lord, what's going to be? Well, how are we going to know when you're coming? Did Jesus say I can't tell you right now? No, he said here, here it is. Here are the things right here. This is what you need to look at. This is what you need to know. And as you walk with him. You can see it. He makes his covenant. He makes a connection in this relationship. How many of you know that we are in a covenant with the Lord? As a matter of fact, uh, every time we celebrate the Lord's supper, you know, we are reminding ourselves of we in the covenant with the Lord, a new one where he laid his life down and he gave his life. Not only do we see build the ark, not only do we see we have to be willing to trust the promise, but also did you catch it? The Lord also gave him instructions about the animals. Verse 19, every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark To keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female. We got to repopulate this thing. Of the birds after their kind, animals after their kind, every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Now, did you catch that? He says two of every kind. Well, what? Come to you. So I don't want y'all thinking that Noah was out there with his safari hat on. Like, I'm like, oh, the wild. Yeah. No. The Lord was bringing the animals to him. This is incredible. This is incredible, because when we think about God's plan, there are many things that he calls us to be responsible for. God didn't build the boat. Noah built the boat, but God brought the animals to him. God had the trees, the plants, all those things and say, listen, you go pick it. I got it growing. You go get it. You go put it on there. And our lives is so important when God is working that we don't do the things that we don't ask him to do the things that he has asked us to do. And we trust him to do the things that he's already promised he would do. It's so important to connect as we trust, as we are following, as we are seeing him work and move. Now, for this world, this watching world around, I want y'all to notice something. The, the Bible has made it very clear in creation, it has not rained yet. No rain has hit the ground. If you remember, the, the, it tells us early in creation that a mist, you know, it had a, a sprinkler system already built in. So they have not seen rain. So can you imagine the people seeing Noah building this boat a hundred some something years? Can you imagine that? The ridicule. We're going to see it here in just a minute. Noah, you crazy. And then he got all these animals just rolling up to his house. No disrespect, but growing up, whenever in my neighborhood, the person that had all the animals, we were like, are they all right over there? What's going on? So when you look at Noah, his reputation, he got all these animals he built. what? what you got to see, though, is that this is a, a picture of God's grace. A big old boat is a sign to the watching world. All those animals coming is a sign to the watching world. Now, the, the sad thing is only eight people take him up on the sign. Only eight people. The same great. Listen, no one heard he's building, right? They all this time, all this time, they've got all this time. It's a sign of God's grace, God's patience, God's long suffering. They got all this time. They got a big old boat. They looking at it. And what I find is, is we are no different in our time than they were in there. God got all these signs going on right now. All these signs happening. All these signs. We just read it. The the condition of man conditions in the heavens. We just call it. We love to call it. Oh, it's just global warming. We got to get rid of all our CO two emissions. Let me just tell you right now. If you didn't read what he said, I'm going to destroy him with the earth. Did you see that? That it's already laid out that God will use the earth to judge people. We are reading right now in our quiet time as a church. We were reading through Exodus and guess what the Lord is using to bust Egypt up. He is using the earth. He's using flies and gnats and he's using blood and he's using frogs and all these things. So, so don't get it. Don't it, it, hear me now. God is trying to get our attention. He uses signs just like in this day, he uses signs and we are not listening to the signs. We are not paying attention to the signs. I like to say it like this. When you driving your car, there's a little light, little check engine light on. I love to ask question. Anybody here got the check engine light on right now in your vehicle? Okay. Still rolling. Still, still rolling. You ain't got the engine check? Okay. Yeah. That's on a small scale of what we do with our vehicles is what is happening globally. The check engine light is on and everybody just doing what they do. We just rolling through life. And and I'm I'm telling you that, that this boat, these animals, these individuals coming, Noah's faithfulness was a witness to them. But they did not heed it. And it's going to cost them. So as you think about this, you think about the signs, you think about the animals, you think about all those things, think about our lives now. God has laid it all out. It's all set before us. This big old boat. We got to continue to close out. Look with me, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. This is our last point. We got to be willing to wait on the Lord. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens a male and his female and of the animals that are not clean 2 a male and his female also of birds of the sky by sevens male and female to keep offspring alive on the face of all the earth for after seven more days I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. I want to make my last point here in my close is that we got to be willing to wait on the Lord. After all these years of building, taking care of the animals that came to him, the Lord finally tells him, it's time to get on the boat. And after he tells him it's time to get on the boat, did you you notice? A whole week goes by. He gives them seven more days. Get on the boat. You take the animals. Notice we see a distinction between clean and unclean. Uh, and they're supposed to have seven, so 14. You got seven males, seven females, if my math is right, 14. Because ultimately they were going to be getting sacrificed and all of such. We're going to see that here in a minute. We didn't need to extinct them too quickly. They need to be able to be numerous. They were going to be eaten now. At this point, we're going to see a transition where we eat meat. Praise the Lord for that. But I want you to see that he had to be willing to wait on the Lord, and Noah was willing. When he went in, he did as the Lord commanded and he sent him in and he did this even in the midst of all the struggles and the difficulties he told him to go in and he waited another seven days Now, when I say wait on Lord that doesn't mean be idle that actually means serve the Lord be active but I want you to get a sense from 2nd Peter chapter 3 verses 3 to 7 this is how we're going to close up 2nd Peter 3 3 through 7 says this know this first of all that in the last days, it, it, have we seen that phrase before? Oh, okay. Mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Through which the world at that time was, said with me, destroyed, being flooded with water. But, by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for, say it with me, fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now, as we think about this, that is the reality of Noah's day and the reality of our day. Just like in Noah's day, how many boats? One boat. Can I tell you, there's still only one boat. The SSS Jesus, can I tell you, there's just one boat. The atonement, the covering, can I just tell you, there's only one door. And I want you all to catch that. Now, I love the fact that when he builds it, puts it right on the side, the side, and there's only one way in. And when we look at this, I believe what God is saying in chapter six to a corrupt generation of people is that his grace is long suffering, but it does not last forever. Judgment will come that there is. God does not want us to be confused. He didn't didn't want us to wonder what happened. So he makes it real simple. One boat, one way. A lot of people think, man, that's harsh. Why just listen? It's very simple. One boat, one way. The reason why is because of the atonement. You see, you have to have the covering to be able to miss the judgment. The only system of belief that is offering atonement is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You can check them all and I encourage you to do so. Every other belief system that you hear of, it is works-based, man-centric. None of them are offering the atonement. One boat, one door, the covering. And when we look at this and we think about the dynamics of what God has done in Christ, he is that way. Dynamics between Noah and Jesus. We see Noah, he built with the wood. Jesus was hung on the wood. We see the dynamics that life salvation is coming through one way. And the question is, is have you got in? As we close, have you got in? If you have not, today is the day. What about your family? What about your friends? What about your neighbors? You see, it's easy for us. To get caught up in good things like weddings and marriage and sports and all the things, but don't don't miss it. Every do not miss it. That there's coming a day when the door will be shut and nobody will be opening it. Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word today and. What a passage, God, as we looked at creation and Lord, there's so many things we could talk about. We could talk about the, the, the wood that the boat was made. of. Uh, we could talk about the types of animals they got on and how many. And Lord, there are a lot of things we could talk about. But Lord, I believe the thrust of this passage is about how salvation. How salvation occurs. One way. It's about why salvation has to occur. Because of the corruption of man. And Lord, I pray that there's anyone in here today. They have never given their life to anybody watching today. They have never given their life to you. That today will be the day. That they surrender to you, Lord. That that like Noah, they will be made righteous in right standing with you. That they would live blameless in a world that's corrupt. Lord, I pray. They will call out to you and they will say, Lord, Jesus, save me. Lord, the atonement, the covering, is what keeps out the judgment. So, Lord, I'm praying that, Lord, for those of us, we've given our life to you, Lord, we would live that way. That in these days, we would take serious the call to follow you. We would take serious, Lord, the call to tell people about you. But you you said that when you come, uh, two men will be out in the field. One one will be taken and one will be left. Two women, they'll be at the millstone. One will be taken and one will be left. Lord, it's your coming. Not the second one, but our calling to you, Lord, is going to happen when nobody is really thinking. Nobody's expecting. We got so many other things on our hearts and minds. Distracted by so many other things. So that I pray that we would not be caught off guard, but because we have a close relationship with you, Lord, we would already know the secret things that you intend to do. And we would live our life. We would live our life, Lord, for you and to see many others come to know. you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. As we go into this time of prayer, reflection, singing, pray you have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me? I hope that God spoke to you through his word during this message, and we would love to talk to you about it. You can connect with us through email, a phone call, or a connection card. You can find the connection card on our website at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We would love to help you work through uh, any spiritual questions that you have as you're on this journey. You see, we recognize that uh, the greatest need in everyone's life is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, the Bible is very clear that uh, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the reality is in Christ, we don't have to stay that way because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. The Bible is very clear that if we will agree with God that we need him, that we are sinners, and that if we agree with God and believe that Jesus Christ is the answer, the payment for our sins, that he died and that he rose, and that uh, he will change and transform our lives, if we will believe that God will save us. And it says in Romans that we will not be disappointed if we will believe in him. And so the first step is for you to give your life to Christ, to call on him, to be your Lord and Savior, uh, to come in and transform your life and to use you for his glory. If you listen to this sermon and you don't have a church home, we would love for you to be our guest here at Word Baptist. We have multiple services and would love to meet you and have you here with us together in worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service time. If you missed any sermons, they are all archived on our website and you can go back and watch. It. You can connect with us on social media and you can find us at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and support the spreading of the gospel, you can go online to wordbaptist.com slash We're glad that you have joined us and we hope that you've learned something that you can apply to your life and that we look forward to having you again uh, right here at Word Baptist.